Chapter Seventeen of A Superfluous Woman by Emma Francis Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. The next morning, Jessamine went out like one benumbed in feeling. Exhaustion for the moment had emptied her of passion. Mrs. Mackenzie watched the girl's face, sealed as it was by a new reticence, and shook her wise head. When the midday meal was over, Jessamine went out. It was a real harvest day, a day of delicious heat and quiet airs. The farmers had been up from the earliest hours reaping, and the fallen corn lay about the fields in yellow bundles, while everywhere along the standing edges passed in persistent rhythmic movement the figures of mower and gatherer jessamine perceived that the harvest had really begun and remembered that colin would certainly be cutting his barley yet she turned up the road in the direction away from dolphaber had it been possible to lie down under the trees in some sequestered spot and softly to sleep herself out of existence she would have been thankful the way she chose was not one much frequented it led over the moor-covered side of one of the hills and gradually dwindled to a mere straggling path which vanished among heather and boulders at first her idea had been to reach some high crag and at least to lift herself as far as possible beyond the region of her turmoil and passion but her limbs refused the task she was enfeebled by yesterday's emotion and needed quiescence from effort so that midway up the path she paused and sat down upon a heather-covered rock the place was not far from a small cottage a tiny tumble-down house which had no pretension to be called a farm but where nevertheless the morsel of surrounding land showed signs of cultivation it was more like a picturesque hovel than anything else and yet had an aspect of comfort there was even a little outhouse and one or two other accompaniments to the meagerest form of agriculture a burn tumbled down the hill by the side and a water-butt placed across the channel served to arrest the stream and to form a convenience for washing purposes and then the water leaped out of the other side of the butt and continued its flow with a cheerful murmur jessamine liked the sound of late the vast silence of the country had oppressed her and now she sat down willingly within hearing of the brook's chatter because it broke up and dispersed the settling of thought upon speculative ideas and uprooting questions after she had been seated there for some time the door of the cot opened and a little child came out and ran toward the burn she had a tin pail in one hand and in the other a rag and two or three common spoons upon her small face was a look in miniature of housewifely bustle having reached the side of the butt she dipped the pail in deftly preventing herself from following it headlong and pulled it out again full then she sat down and drew it cautiously between her sturdy bare legs and forthwith proceeded to dip the spoons in the water and to rub them clean with the rag 
all her actions were deft and careful a delicious parody upon grown-up humanity and jessamine watched with increasing interest and admiration her beauty and vigor were great and she appeared to be but five years old she had firm limbs and a velvety golden-brown skin through which showed the healthy red her hair of dark brown curled about her head and underneath the pretty tangle looked out an alert pair of brown eyes but it was the content of the child the happy activity and unconscious joy in being and faculty which best expressed the exuberant wholesomeness of her nature jessamine watched the little creature with growing admiration and then with yearning an inexpressible look came into her eyes one which may be seen often in the eyes of women but which was new in jessamine's she continued to watch until all the spoons were rubbed up to satisfaction and with every movement the mingled delight and longing increased little one she said at last in a coaxing tone the child turned her brown curly head and opened her eyes wide in the direction of the sound perceiving the beautiful smiling stranger she stared unwinkingly for full twenty seconds come and speak to me called jessamine from the other side of the burn then the child very slowly and deliberately drew her sturdy legs up rose from the ground with great care as to upsetting the pail lifted it and carrying it to a safe distance emptied away the dirty water after which she picked up the wet rag and put it in the pail then she took the clean spoons in the other hand and having now finished her preparations approached the burn and stood on the side opposite to jessamine with her bare legs and firm little feet well planted staring reflectively jessamine smiled and sought for a coaxing phrase but the child saved her the trouble without removing her eyes she uttered an ecstatic crow and shouted granny come and see the bonny wifey this summons was followed by the appearance of a woman at the cottage door seeing the beautiful stranger she hurried forward with apology upon her lips oh bessie that's a naughty bairnie starin and talkin to the bonny leddy said she don't take her away said jessamine i like to see and hear her come over the burn little creature but the child shrank behind her granny and peeped out roguishly from her skirt shutting up her eyes and making a little mouth and playing off her cockatrice in the manner of babies jessamine laughed and turned to the woman what a beautiful child she is said she what glorious eyes when she is kind enough to open them what fine firm limbs how old is she three years ma'am three i thought she might be six and was certainly five ay she's a bonny bairnie and a good one returned the woman with pride and she can do for me already ay she knows how to make herself useful is it your grandchild asked jessamine looking at the splendid little creature with renewed admiration the woman did not immediately answer 
she lifted her apron and appeared to wipe off from her lips some shrinking apology while her eyes deviated for a moment from jessamine's inquiring face then they returned with a glance which shyly appealed to a possible knowledge within the beautiful lady's breast of matters which are frankly human but which do not come under the range of the respectable well no ma'am she said i'm just carin for the barony i'm no relation but she calls me granny because i'm fond of her she is not a legitimate child ma'am she does you credit returned jessamine with feeling and then she turned away with misty eyes that looked at some far-away thought have her parents forsaken her asked she presently oh no ma'am returned the woman scandalized the father is very much taken up with her indeed he comes every week and brings me the money he is a carpenter in the near town ma'am and the mother is in service at edinburgh she sends me the money regularly and she will just be coming to see the barony when she will have a chance are they going to be married asked jessamine with the astonishment of one taking a peep through the open threshold of a new world oh no ma'am the mother is just in service and the father is just a man busy at the carpentering and keeping his old grandfather is he a good man he will be very steady and hard-working ma'am and he will be very fond of the barony jessamine sat silent her eyes full of thoughts the woman after looking at her hesitatingly drew softly away to her work and the child began to play with the cheerful inconsequence of three years she chose to dig up the ground with one of the three spoons she had just so deftly cleaned but presently a wonderful thing happened the beautiful mysterious stranger crossed the brook and came close to her and dropped upon her knees and encircled her with her arms it seemed to the little child like the closing of soft scented wings and shadowy sweetness and delicious wonder about her will you kiss me little one asked the tenderest voice she had ever heard and she put out her red lips and nestled her red cheek against the marvellous face with the swimming eyes and kissed it readily enough how jessamine loved the beautiful little mortal who had been born into this world out of wedlock the thought like some waif and stray into an ancestral mansion ran into her heart and hid there she got up and went down the hill and took the way toward dolfaber it was getting toward evening and the reaping day was almost over she walked down to mcgillivray's land as was her custom and seated herself upon a bank near his barley field to look on as she sat there watching from afar she felt like one upon the edge of the river of death who turns a last look at life and the picture of life which she saw was calm and beautiful and weaved from nature's quiet moments 
she saw the yellow waving corn into which the mower thrust his scythe and at his feet were the fallen glittering heads leaning across this more distant picture was a rowan tree with dark leaves and scarlet berries on the right was a gloomy edge of forest-covered hills and on the left a beautiful bright soft range meeting them and fading into an exquisite farness of blue and opal tints above that were the piled-up clouds and brilliant ether the figure of the mower passed along with a strong swaying grace of movement and the sunburn showed on his cheek and neck over him the sunshine rested like a homely benediction it caught also the figure of the woman following after him in her dun-coloured dress mcgillivray was a favourite with children and when he worked a little cluster of bare-legged mites were apt to play about him they pattered after him now their fair hair and bare legs twinkling in the light two older boys stood motionless side by side the sunshine on their heads and about their bare legs absorbed in admiration of the mower over all the net of light fell with its softening and uniting power and through all ran the sense of people at wholesome work joyful kindly one to another the brown thatched cottage also was near and a white kitten came and played about the peat stack behind two red horses attracted by the fallen corn came lumbering up to stare from a distance and round every part was the softer background of blue hills and pine woods and tinted moors against this beautiful sober picture jessamine rested her overtired heart as one who earns a little respite but who hears a sound like the running edge of the deathly river presently the picture changed the woman in the dun-coloured dress left off gathering and rested her arms on her hips colin stopped also and drew his scythe out from the corn and leaned upon it jessamine could hear his voice as he talked with the woman then the latter began to move away from the field calling and beckoning the children as she walked and these went running in a little fluttering cloud after her colin resumed his work alone but it seemed to jessamine that as the woman moved away he had turned and looked at her and she got up from the bank and went slowly down the field toward him she fancied as she came up that he welcomed her with the old air of courteous indifference and at this with the most inconsequent of chills she felt that the agonies of the few past days had been gratuitous yet longed to be assured that they were not for not one of the human kind having tasted it would barter love with all its sharpness for an empty peace it is a grand harvest day said mcgillivray desisting for a moment from his work and lifting his cap yes the woman has left you are you going on alone well yes i am bound to finish before night but the harvest day is really over and the little ones went in for supper the sun shines still and while it shines i must be shearin 
you have no one to gather for you no one he smiled i must gather for myself after the shearin is done i could gather for you he raised himself from his leaning posture and stood erect looking at her with a ray in his eye that reached her heart it will be too tiring for you no said jessamine with desperate joy i am strong but you will not know how yes for i watched indeed you do not know how it will tire you let me try i cannot bind but i can gather said jessamine meekly thank you you are most kind he resumed his work without further argument and she placed herself behind as she had seen the woman do and followed picking up the corn as it fell from his scythe and laying it aside in a large bundle it was very still not a sound could be heard save the long swish of the scythe through the barley he did not speak and when they reached the end of the row he merely stopped and glanced over her work with a smile then he went back to the other side of the field and began again not much remained to be sheared after an hour's steady silent work the corn had all fallen and mower and gatherer rested from their toil for jessamine the hour was one of benign calmness a restoration to sanity a beautiful tranquillized moment within which she would willingly abide the air of the fields the peace of colin's kindness and presence the delight of necessary work shared and accomplished these things sufficed because the whole kingdoms of the world have nothing better to bestow i cannot bind said jessamine standing still and pushing at the last fallen sheaf with her slender foot no i will just do that myself and then i must stook them show me the way and let me bind too very well if you are not tired i am not tired see then you will just take a little bit of the straw first jessamine knelt down and pulled a piece out as he directed mcgillivray stooping near her did the same now watch said he and he put two ends together and by a deft wrist movement twisted them into a secure straw rope i can do that how easy it looks now see she tried and failed with a pleasant ripple of laughter mcgillivray laughed too and came nearer his shadow falling over her and his bronzed hands outstretched you just did it wrong indeed for you turned your wrists the wrong way the words were small the voice rich and deep it seemed close to her and as she looked down disconsolately on the unattached wisps of straw he laid his hand upon them to take them from her and at that moment she raised her head with a smile at her failure close to her was mcgillivray's strong bronzed face under his straw hat close to him was the lovely face of jessamine pink dimpled the eyes swimming with pathos and wistfulness he looked into them intently for three brief seconds 
and then a kind of blindness smote into his own and he stooped forward and kissed her on the mouth for jessamine the earth seemed to leap as the fire of his kiss burned to her heart she knelt motionless staring at the corn in her hands and then a sudden inconsequent fury seemed to erase the whole problem of her passion and to leave her free and untouched she looked up dropping the corn and turning a face of anger upon him had there been in his the least trace of swagger or triumph the anger would have endured but she found that he had withdrawn a step and was standing a little apart his arms hanging by his side his face dark and soft with a fathomless remorse and before it the anger and remnant of her resistance vanished she caught her hands to her burning face and covered it and knelt trembling above the unfinished sheaf had anyone seen that kiss the world was full of it you will not be needin said colin in a low desperate tone to be lookin at me like that you will not be needin to cover your bonny bonny face i know what i have done i am one just not fit to live and i will not be livin any longer if it harms you i cannot wipe my kiss off your lips but i can go and drown myself so that you need not be thinkin at it again or flush and red like a rose because of my being alive on the same earth i can go now i am not carin any more to be alive if i have hurt you the words in their quiet desperation reached jessamine's ear and sank every one of them to her heart and created there every one of them an added circle of joy when he ceased to speak she made no answer but still seemed listening she felt like one lulled safely on a small islet about which tumbles an infinite ocean of disaster would he speak again a woman fears to spoil the music of the first love words by any utterance of her own but he said no more she fancied she heard his feet moving from her through the stubble and then a misgiving lest she should miss her moment the golden moment of life and drive him with that look upon his face to some despairing deed sent thrills of terror through her keeping one hand over her eyes she stretched the other out toward him with a passionate gesture and cried oh colin colin i am not angry he caught her hand in his own as she rose and stood before him not angry he waited looking anxiously at the lovely living cheek and quivering mouth the hand still covered her eyes do you know what you will be saying jessie bonnie bird not angry means you love me said he trembling exceedingly but pressing the question home with grave insistence let me go she answered waking up to the thundering of those waves of disaster in her ear no returned he firmly since we are come so far we must go further if you bid me i will drown myself for what i've done i'd rather that than shame you jessie but a man does not throw his life away for nothing 
i will drown myself if i hurt you with my kiss but if i did not hurt you tell me and i will live i must know before i let you go no no you did not hurt me said jessamine shivering why then should you tremble ah my wee bonny do why would you be looking at me as one not fit to live his voice thrilled and shook with hope and in her heart was so strange a commingling of joy and complete despair that it seemed to her beyond the slightness of her frame to bear it she found no words let me see your bonny eyes he laid his fingers timidly upon the wrist of the hand with which she still veiled her emotion jessie jessie when a man trembles on the edge of a great happiness and on the edge of a great trouble much may be forgiven him he used his strength with reverential gentleness her hand dropped into his and her eyes opened upon him my god said he with a great tumult in his heart as he read what was written there now let me go she murmured drawing away from the passionate force of his embrace be content and let me go colin colin and as his arms relinquished her she fled like a frightened shadow through the gathering dusk of the field End of chapter 17